In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. And we are in the season of Easter where we celebrate our risen, resurrected Lord. And we are examining through scripture what it means to live in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Today is Mother's Day. And I want to wish a happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers out there, but I also know that Mother's Day is a complicated day for a lot of people. 
because we're human and our mothers are human. Uh, and because they're human, there are complications. And because we're human, there are complications. One of those complications may be that, that this Mother's Day, your mother is no longer living, that your mother has gone to be with the Lord. And for that reason, Mother's Day may bring sadness. Another thing that might bring sadness is if you have never been able to be a mother for one reason or another, uh, you are a, a woman who has never born children. And so Mother's Day may feel like a slap across the face uh, and just another painful reminder of what you've never been able to experience. And maybe you've had a, a rough relationship with your mother. Maybe your mother struggled with what it meant to be a mother or your mother struggled with simply being a, a decent and kind and loving human being. Mother's Day is complicated. Um, and, and I think we don't do ourselves any favors by not being willing to acknowledge the complications of Mother's Day. Yes, we need to be grateful. Yes, we need to show gratitude uh, to the mothers that we have. Um, but at the same time, we also need to be willing to, to recognize that motherhood doesn't always look like, uh, you know, the, the traditional uh, June Cleaver from Leave it to Beaver mother uh, that so many people grew up thinking was the ideal of a mother. There are single mothers. There are mothers who for one reason or another are no longer uh, married or with the people who helped, the man who helped create their children. There are mothers whose husbands have died. And now that mother had to be, has to be mother and father. And that was the situation that my mother was in. There are people who may never have born children, but who have nurtured and cared for and loved, not just children, but human beings and who have loved the world and who have loved nature. And by their nurturing and care and love, they have brought forth a different kind of life into the world that may not just be human life, but maybe the life of Jesus Christ sparked in somebody else that they have shared God's love with. It may be the life of beauty within the world from being able to raise flowers and plants and, and care for trees and gardens. It may be the beauty of music or, or the life of joy through the arts that, that has been brought into the world. Motherhood happens in so many different ways. And we need to acknowledge that there are different kinds of motherhood, different ways and means of motherhood. And that even in acknowledging that, if there's still pain, if there's still difficulty, that it's okay, that we bring this to God and we recognize that this is something that it may take a lifetime for us to heal and work through. It may take a lifetime for, for people to understand their role as a mother. But we also need to give gratitude because whether they were our biological mothers or our spiritual mothers or, or simply 
uh, people who are loving and kind to us, that we all have some example of motherhood in our lives that we can be grateful to God for. And it's my hope and prayer that through First Baptist Church of Oregon City, that many people would come to find a place full of mothers and fathers who are nurturing the life of Jesus Christ in other people. And so that's what I mean by Happy Mother's Day. As we've been announcing for the past few weeks very joyfully, uh, we will be regathering. Uh, we are going to be regathering in our church building at 819 John Adams Street here in lovely Oregon City, Oregon. And uh, today we have some words uh, from Doreen Hunley, uh, who has shared some of her thoughts through email uh, about why she is excited to return to in-person worship. Doreen had this to say. Hi, my name is Doreen Hunley and I am a deacon at First Baptist Church of Oregon City. I am really excited about regathering at church next month. I have truly missed my church family and not being able to worship in person with them. Even though we have never stopped worshiping on Zoom, Facebook, and YouTube, it is not like worshiping in person. It will be so good to see everyone again. At First Baptist Church, you will find love, support, and a message that really relates to your life and your relationship with the Lord. Thank you, Doreen. In two weeks, just two weeks, uh, we will be celebrating Pentecost. Pentecost is described in the, the book of Acts chapter 2. It is when the Holy Spirit descended uh, and filled the disciples and filled the church. And uh, the Holy Spirit was promised by Jesus. And Pentecost is the day that we, we recognize that because we as followers of Jesus now are filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, just like on the day of Pentecost. And red is traditionally the color that symbolizes uh, the, the Holy Spirit in our churches. And so we are asking everybody who's listening to this, uh, everybody in our church, to wear red on Sunday, May the 23rd. And if you would like to, you can take a picture or have somebody take a picture of you or send in a drawing of yourself wearing red. Uh, our email address is baptist.church at comcast.net, or you can also send it to us on Facebook. And we would be happy to put that on uh, our social media page, on our, our Facebook, on our Instagram, um, and, and just collect an album of pictures of our church wearing red for Pentecost. Uh, it is an exciting day and, and we'll be uh, reading scripture and examining what does it mean for our church, our, our, the people of God to be filled with and empowered by uh, the Holy Spirit of God, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, which is what we find out in, in Romans chapter 8. Uh, so that will be May 23rd. Feel free to send in your, your pictures for Pentecost. We acknowledge the goodness of God because God is the giver of all good gifts. And one of the ways that we acknowledge the goodness of God is by giving a portion of our, our income, of our wealth, back to God. Uh, and there's, there's no, it does not matter how great or small our income is, 
we give it back to God with the idea that God is going to use that to continue to perpetuate his kingdom. Uh, you can mail a check in to us at uh, First Baptist Church, P.O. Box, PO Box 1686, Oregon City, Oregon. Or in the description of this worship service podcast, we do have a link to our online uh, giving page as well. If you want to support the ministry of Jesus Christ through First Baptist Church, uh, that those are ways that you can do it. Uh, but we don't do it out of obligation. We don't do it because I'm asking. We do it because we are grateful to what God has done for us. And we want, we want to give a portion of that back to him in thanks. We hope and pray that you are doing well this morning. We pray that as you listen and, and sing and pray and hear God's word read and proclaimed through this worship service, that you would be worshiping in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the joy of knowing that Jesus Christ, our Lord, was raised by God from the dead and lives today even as we worship. And all the earth will 
will shout your praise Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing Great are you, Lord It's your breath in our lungs So we pour out our praise We pour out our praise It's your breath in our lungs So we pour out our praise You only It's your breath in our lungs So we pour out our praise We pour out our praise It's your breath Righteousness, O God, reaches to the highest heavens. You have done such wonderful things. Who can compare with you, O God? You have allowed me to suffer much hardship, but you will restore me to life again and lift me up from the depths of the earth. You will restore me to even greater honor and comfort me once again. God says, Rebuild the road, clear away the rocks and stones so my people can return from captivity. The high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the Holy One, says this, I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will praise you with music on the harp because you are faithful to our promises. Oh my God, I will sing praises to you with the lyre. O Holy One of Israel, I will shout for joy and sing your praises for you have ransomed me. I will tell about your righteous deeds all day long. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of the rains in early spring. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is Jeannie Vance. Our scripture today is from John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19 from the New Living Translation. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, 
Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Let us come before you in prayer. Dear Father God, we come before you on this Mother's Day. Today's prayer is a prayer to honor and bless moms. I speak this prayer to you now in gratitude and praise for the gift of mothers. I remember my own mother, those mothers of my friends, relatives, those mothers I'll never know, all mothers. Thank you for the role they play in the family unit. Thank you for their teachings, their wisdom, their patience and understanding. Thank you for the physical, emotional, and spiritual gifts they possess. I pray that you help mothers all across the world be a blessing upon their children. Whether delivering affirmation of discipline, I pray that you help every word and action to be done in love. And I pray that children all over the world would take time to honor their mothers, that you show them how to uniquely do so. I pray that these mothers also act as a blessing beyond their households, reaching into their extended families, communities, churches, and schools. I pray that the impact of motherhood is revered throughout society and that these women are acknowledged for their everyday impact on the world. May you guide each of them into fulfilling their purpose here on earth. I place before you, Lord God, all the prayer requests May you act in accordance with your will. I pray for healing for those facing surgery, those recovering from surgery, chemotherapy treatments, injuries occurring from a fall, and any other sickness there may be. Bring peace and comfort during these times of stress and trial for those who are ill and for the loved ones who are doing their best to be a support to them. Be with those who are acquaintances relatives, co-workers, or friends who have prayer needs. May you give them comfort during their time of need. May you touch their lives in such a way that they know you love them and are willing and able to take care of their needs. Be with our young church as they face this world of uncertainty. Give them strength to resist the work of the devil as he tries to interfere in their lives. May the power of the Holy Spirit be their guide. Be with the leaders as they make themselves available and share the love of Jesus Christ with them. Be with our church family as we anticipate regathering together for in-house worship 
May the joy of the Lord be with us as we praise and give glory to your holy name. Bless our congregation as we reach out into the neighborhood where our church is located. May we be salt and light to those in the neighborhood. May our attitudes be to show the love of Jesus to those who are our neighbors. Be with our pastor today as he brings us a message from your word. Today's message is about forgiveness and restoration, which we all need to in our lives. May the Holy Spirit be upon him as he brings us the words you have given him. In this coming week, may we seek to walk with you in the closeness of fellowship. May you be our constant companion. May the Holy Spirit be our guide, and may we heed his words that he has for us. It is exciting to think of what the Holy Spirit has in store for us and our church. In your almighty name, amen. A few years ago, I worked part-time as a recess supervisor at a public elementary school in Aurora, Illinois. And uh, it was a great job because on a daily basis, I got to play tag um, and, and get outside in the sunshine and, and everything like that. Uh, but one year, I was also in charge of preschool lunch and nap time for one of the two preschool classes. And there was a student who uh, was a, was a kind-hearted boy who had a lot of energy and he always wanted to help. Uh, but sometimes uh, what, what was helpful to this young man uh, was not exactly helpful for everyone. Um, and so we had a, a bucket of soapy water that we would use to, and a, and a rag that the janitor had given that we would use to wipe off the tables after the, um, after the lunchtime was over, because I don't know if you've ever met a preschooler, but they don't exactly take the greatest of caution when they're eating. So we would always have to clean up. And as the year went on, we let the kids watch us as we would clean up, and we were slowly starting to let the kids help with cleanup. And there was a, a young lady who was sweeping the floor and another couple of students were making sure all the chairs were pushed in. And then this young man, this one particular boy, wanted to help wipe up the tables. And so I said, all right, you've seen me watch wipe the tables. Now it's your turn. And so uh, he, he had taken the little, the little bucket. It wasn't very big but he had taken the bucket and he had squeezed the water out of the, um, out of the rag and he was wiping the table and he was doing such a good job until he knocked over the bucket and the water went everywhere. And it was a mess. It was, it was not, I, whenever you knock over a bucket of water, it is always a significant mess. And I couldn't catch it in time. This young boy was horrified. He was instantly, you just, you saw it. You saw the shame just sweep over his face. And he began crying and he ran and he put his face in the corner. And what 
I immediately thought of was that in the honesty of children, this little boy is each of us when we fail. Because we do, don't we? We're human. We're made in God's image, but we're broken. We're blessed, and, and God says that we are good. Uh, and God says that humanity is good. But then we're flawed. Because we do the things that God tells us we shouldn't do. We don't follow the ways of Jesus. We try to follow the ways of Jesus. We try to live out our lives the way Jesus instructed us to, the way that Jesus modeled for us living our lives. But sometimes we don't because we're human and we're broken. And we try really hard, but there's all sorts of different ways that we, we mess up. And it's not just, you know, Jesus, uh, Jesus says, you know, love your neighbor as yourself uh, and we do something selfish or Jesus says, love your enemies uh, and we show one particular finger of our hands uh, to somebody that has cut us off in traffic. Um, you know, th there are those sorts of failures, but there's also the sorts of failures where we, where we miss the point, where we don't exactly understand what it was Jesus wanted us to do. We forget the ways of Jesus and we think that Jesus would want us to do one thing. And then we look back on it either hours, days, weeks, months, years later, and we realize, oh, I really messed that up, didn't I? And we live with that guilt and we live with that shame. And we do this as individuals, but then we also get things wrong as big groups of people. We get this wrong when, when we as, as big groups of people make decisions that uh, prioritize our well-being over the well-being of somebody else. And we thrive and flourish because another group of people has been put underneath our feet. Or when we make sure that there's enough for us, but not enough for somebody else. Or when we turn a group of people into a source of fear and hatred and loathing so that we can feel like the heroes in the narrative. All of these are failures and all of these are sources of guilt and shame because we know what the standard is. We know what Jesus taught us. It's right here in our Bibles. It's right here in the Gospels. And Paul spends all of his letters working out what it means to live out the ways of Jesus. But we, we still mess up. And I, I don't want to discourage anybody, but we will mess up until the, the day that, that Christ returns to establish his kingdom on earth or until we go to be with the Lord uh, in death one way or another. Because none of us is going to be perfect until we see Jesus face-to-face. Face. And so with all of that said, we come to Peter. We come to Peter because Peter, the foremost of the disciples, we talked about this last week, the rock on which Christ will build his church, 
also was kind of the loud mouth who would stick his foot in his mouth quite frequently. Peter's the guy who, uh, particularly in the book of Mark, uh, when, when right after he had proclaimed Jesus to be the Messiah, Jesus says, yeah, I'm going to have to to get killed in a pretty nasty way. Um, but then I will be raised to life by God. And, and Peter says, no, none of that will happen. Uh, we're going to fight for you and we're going to die with you. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. In John chapter 13, Jesus says that he's going to die. And Peter says, well, then we will, I will never let that happen. I will die with you. And so here's Peter with all of that knowledge in the background. And now he's with Jesus again. If you were, if you were with us last week, uh, the disciples had gone fishing and caught nothing in the morning. Uh, there's a man standing off on the shore and he says, friends, throw your nets to the other side of the boat and you'll catch something. And they realize that it's Jesus and they go and they have breakfast with Jesus on the shore. And this is right after breakfast is where we've picked up this morning. And Jesus is talking to Peter. And in some ways, Jesus is talking to us as well. Because Peter is somebody who had failed and who found forgiveness and then was given a new mission in following Jesus. And just like Peter, we fail, but then we're forgiven by Jesus and we also find a new mission. So how did Peter fail? Well, he denied Jesus. Peter denied Jesus so many different ways. And there's, yes, there's the three obvious times that he denied Jesus. But he also denied Jesus when he picked up his sword and cut off the ear of one of the synagogue servants. You know, Jesus who said, love your enemies. Jesus said, who, who said, pray for those who persecute you. If uh, someone strikes you on one cheek, offer them your other one. And yet here's Peter whipping out a sword and slashing off ears. But the focus here is on the three denials that Peter had leading up to Jesus's death. And Jesus was in a pretty bad way. Jesus was on a mock trial, and this is in John uh, chapters 18 and 19. Jesus was on a mock trial uh, by the, the, the Jewish leaders, and Peter was there off in the courtyard and once at a gate, he was recognized and he denied knowing Jesus. And then two other times he denied knowing Jesus. And it was around a charcoal fire. Well, guess what Jesus had used to make breakfast? Jesus had made a charcoal fire. And so Peter sees Jesus on, from the, the boat in the previous passage, again, from last week. Just read, read all of John 21 if you want to get caught up with all of this. You can hit pause. It's okay. Just make sure you come back to it. Peter goes racing to shore, swimming to see Jesus, and there's a charcoal fire. The symbolism is rich, and Jesus knew what he was doing. 
And he didn't build that fire to like rub it in with Peter. But when we fail, Jesus confronts our failures. And one commentator that I read this week said that he wondered if that's why people so often are, are a little shy to or afraid to embrace the life that Jesus offers us is because it first involves confronting our failures. And so here's Peter eating breakfast with Jesus around a charcoal fire. But then Jesus leads Peter away from the charcoal fire. He walks him down the beach from the fire that he had made. And this is symbolism as well, because Jesus says, this is where you started, but it's not where you finish, that you're going to keep going. And he offers these three opportunities to Peter to declare his love for Jesus. And when we fail, when we screw up, however it is that we have screwed up, messed up, bungled, botched, we have to start by acknowledging in a sober-minded way our failures. Because guilt and shame very quickly become toxic. When guilt and shame become our prevailing narrative for how we understand ourselves, it leads us to feeling like we are always going to be a mess up, that we're always going to be living out our mistakes, and that we're going to be defined by these mistakes. Peter must have felt it, and we feel it too, because we know our failures, don't we? Sometimes we try very desperately not to acknowledge them. And sometimes some of the people who are angriest, who are the most bitter, uh, hacked off people that you know, are the ones who are deeply hurt and desperately running from some sort of personal failure. It's why one of the first steps in the 12-step recovery program is owning the fact that you have something to recover from. But Jesus always starts with our failures, but never leaves us there. Because Jesus had taken our failures already onto himself, into his very body, every failure of humanity, both individual and corporate, every selfish action, every moral failure, every uh, societal breakdown, every enslaved person, every time that somebody else put themselves or their people group over another people group, every person who has been dispossessed from their land, Jesus took that and crucified it in his own body on the cross. So that failure might be a place that we have to acknowledge, but it's not the place that we have to live. It's kind of a rest area along the road in Christ. And so Jesus walks Peter through three different questions, three different times. He asks Peter, do you love me? 
And the first time he says, do you love me more than these? And if you really look at it, Jesus is kind of giving Peter the opportunity to say, do you, do you love me more than the other disciples love me? And Peter doesn't fall into that trap now because he's wiser. And he says, Lord, you know, I love you. He doesn't try to puff himself up or, or stick his foot in his mouth or anything like that because no, he knows better now. But then three times, three times, Jesus says, do you love me? And each time Peter says some version of, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus each time says, feed my lambs, tend to my sheep, take care of my sheep. Our sins are forgiven by the cross of Christ. And when we approach Jesus for forgiveness, they are already taken care of. Our slate is already wiped clean in Christ. But we go to Jesus and Jesus restores us because our sin has real world consequences. And Peter has denied Jesus. And now Jesus is restoring Peter back to wholeness. And when we approach God for forgiveness, when we approach Jesus for forgiveness, we can know that our sins are forgiven in Christ if Jesus is Lord of us. But we also know that that failure has to be dealt with, that we have to move on from it, that we have to learn from it. And that's the thing that, that Jesus wants to do so much for us, is to restore us, is to bring us back to a right place. Because Peter's still the guy who proclaimed Jesus as Messiah. And Jesus, Peter is the guy who has followed Jesus. He got to see Jesus transfigured. He got to see the fullness of Jesus's glory. He's just messed up. And now Jesus is restoring him. Jesus, Peter has failed. Peter is forgiven. But now Peter has a new mission to follow. Because Jesus is giving Peter the charge of being the good shepherd. Jesus is putting Peter into a shepherding role in his new kingdom. That he needs, Peter is to take care of Jesus's flock, which are the disciples, which are people who will follow Jesus because of the disciples. This is what he is entrusting to Peter. Let me tell you now the ending of the story with the young boy in the spilled water. I got a mop. I mopped up the water, but the job wasn't done. The tables were still dirty. And so I went into the little bathroom that they had there in the, the preschool area and I poured some more water in the bucket. And no, it didn't have the, the sanitizing stuff that the janitor had put in there. But that didn't really matter so much at this point. I went and got the young man from the corner and some of his fellow students had gone over to comfort him and it was really quite an endearing scene. And I said, hey buddy, 
we need to finish wiping down the tables. And the tears stopped. And he took the rag and he took the bucket and he wiped down the rest of the tables. And he didn't spill this time because he knew the mistake that he had made before and he was going to try very hard not to make it again. He had a new mission and so do we. In John chapter 20, Jesus tells the disciples, which is the same charge that we have, as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. This is in light of the resurrection. This is forgiveness with the resurrection in mind. Because in the resurrection, God's new reality, God's new creation is breaking into our world. Jesus is Lord over the whole world. And what we're doing is acknowledging the brokenness of the world and making it new in Jesus. This is the work that we're doing, that we're bringing good news to the poor. We're breaking the shackles of oppression. We're going to those places where we as individuals and we as collective groups of people have messed up. And in the name of Jesus, we are seeking to bring healing and wholeness and hope. This is the new mission of following Jesus. That when we mess up, it's not because we hate Jesus. We love Jesus. We're just broken. And Jesus takes that love that we have for him. And he says, yes, you love me. Yes, you're forgiven. But now I want you to go do this. Here's your mission. This is what you're going to go do. Peter, if you flip in most Bibles at this point, towards the end of chapter one, one page over, you find yourself in the book of Acts. And you can read lots of things of what happened next with Peter. Peter ends up being a leader in the church, and he's not perfect. He gets some things wrong, but he tends to Jesus's flock. And Jesus says, that Peter will stretch out his arms. And that's a way of saying that he'll take the form of the cross. Tradition tells us that Peter ended up being crucified upside down. Maybe, maybe not. Um, that's just the, the story that's been handed down over the years. But what Jesus says is that Peter's life is going to look like sacrificial love for other people. When, when Peter bold, boldly proclaims, I will follow you until death, Jesus. This is Jesus redeeming that statement. He says, yes, you will follow me to death. And you're, in your death, you will glorify me, just as I glorified the Father in mine. As we go forward, we have to remember that, yeah, we're going to fail. But these failures are not fatal because we are forgiven by Jesus. And having been forgiven by Jesus, we now follow knowing that Jesus has gone ahead of us through death and has been raised from the dead so that new creation can break forth. And we, the failed and forgiven people of God, can now follow and bring 
Jesus's new creation, the world of healing, hope, and love where Jesus is Lord, we can bring this into the world through the power of the resurrection. Hear the word of the Lord. 
Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, a heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. We thank you for joining us this morning for worship. And it's our hope that as you have heard God's word read and proclaimed, as we have prayed and sung, that it has all happened in the joy of the resurrection, in the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our church website is onebaptistchurch.org. That's the number onebaptistchurch.org. And if there's any way that we can love and serve you, if there's if there's anything that you're in need of, uh, if you want to talk to someone, if you want to pray with someone, please get in touch with you because it's our ongoing mission to bring the hope, love, peace, and joy of Jesus Christ into the world now as it will be in the age to come. So please reach out to us so that we can reach out to you. And don't forget in two weeks, we're going to be wearing red for Pentecost. I'd like to thank our church pianist, Jeannie Vance, for our prelude this morning. I'd like to thank uh, our director of worship and youth, Melissa Mellinger, for recording music, music for us this week before she went on vacation. And I hope she's having a wonderful week off. Uh, I'd like to thank our church moderator, Jim Leatherman, for leading us in prayer. I'd like to thank Katie Witham and the First Baptist Church readers uh, for leading us in our creative scripture readings. And I'd like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, for making everything sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed.